You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Hi, Poppy. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Vinny Hatcher. Hi, guys. Jenna Pace. Good evening. That was scary. <laughs> and is it Rumpel? No, it's Katie. Aha! Uh-huh. Hello, guys. I'm excited to be here tonight. Hope you are too. That's an inside joke from before we started the podcast. <laughs> and don't forget your final guest, Zelina. Kidding. <laughs> oh, dearie. <laughs> this episode is about to get 500 times more interesting. <laughs> Good grief. Well, let's we jump into the personality. Yes. Well, let's jump into our recap of season 7, episode 8, which was titled Pretty in Blue and aired November 17th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. In an attempt to prevent a distressed Alice from running away, Henry and Ella follow her into Wonderland. Once there, Henry realizes that Ella has a surprising connection to this strange world. In Hyperion Heights, Jacinda reconnects with an old friend in a last-ditch effort to regain custody of Lucy, but her decision to enlist outside help could put a strain on her burgeoning relationship with Henry. Let's check in on the ratings for the episode, Season 7, Episode 8. It was viewed by 2 million total viewers and a point four in the demo. It dipped slightly from uh, the first hour of this two-hour Once Upon a Time Apalooza. So let's get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, Pretty in Blue. And uh, let's start off with someone who's always pretty in blue, Jenna Pace. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming you are. So I think that this was a really fun, simple little episode. Um, We get to see more of Henry and Cinderella together and Henry and Jacinda together. Just like the whole extended Mills, Ella family. So that's always nice to see. It's, it's cool to see that new, the new relationship develop a little bit more. 
Um, I liked what we got to see of Alice and Wishhook and um, in the present day in the present day Ronnie. Just yeah, it was just a fun little simple episode with the with some nice pieces of nuance in it. Vinny, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with the trend. I think this was a really good episode with like some bite-sized treats, um, especially when Ella goes one punch man. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was really nice to see more of Ella in the past because as I talked about in the lot, last podcast, I'm really rooting for her. I love that personality. And it was nice to see a little bit of uh, different aspects uh, in modern day with the uh, extra twist of uh, Nick uh, being thrown in there. But yeah, I, I really liked it. Katie. I really like this episode. Like this one, for some reason, was one of my favorites of the season. Wow. I, I know. I don't know what Katie. it was about it, but I know. She's I know. easy to please. Hey, She's no, not alone. Shut up. <laughs> I didn't like the last one that much. It's just the gnome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hater. Yeah. And I have no more to say on that. Thank you, Jenna, for your input. (laughs) Why are the gnome puns, like, transferring over to this one? Because it's going to be this season's thing. Okay. Oh, my. (laughs) Get ready. Like, like eat the baby? (laughs) 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 Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. 100%. but anyways, to close out, I just really like this episode between what was happening in our flashback portions and what was happening in Hyperion Heights. I am really just excited to see where we go from here, and I just loved what we got. But oh. you know why we can't talk about Eat the Baby, right? We have a gnome tolerance policy for cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think that was the best one. I am I am so disappointed. Jeff gave you like the perfect setup to pretend to be blue. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) No role playing. No. Allowed. We we're capped on that. Yes. That happened once and never again. (laughs) Listeners, you can find it in the archives at some point. Okay. I like the episode as well. I thought the um, the the Wonderland side of things was really interesting. I love that we explored some of Ella's backstory. I, I thought that was really neat to see, and the present day stuff with like the little twist with the friend, uh, or I should say the ex, and like all of that was uh, like fascinating to watch. And then, of course, like. Well, no, I don't want to even say, of course, because like one of the reveals, I was like, really? You don't check with the check with the check, check, check before you check. I'm like, come on. So that sort of took me out of the moment, which I will get into that later on, because I might have a little mini rant on that. But other than that, um, the whole Weaver and Ronnie thing, I'm looking forward to getting into because I said a lot of wonderful things about Weaver. In our previous podcast, not so much right now. So we'll get into that, though. But before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. 
Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get into it. A quick shout out to the opening title card, which uh, featured a whole bunch of mushrooms from Wonderland in uh, the forest. So let's start off in the past. We see Hook reunited with his daughter, Alice. And uh, she is like, I am no longer cursed. We are no longer cursed. You know, we can reunite, Papa, basically. But when they hug, a blast uh, separates them. And uh, Hook gets hurt. And Wish Hook gets hurt. And uh, Alice runs away in fear because she has no idea why this is happening so henry and ella chase her and uh, we see that alice has leapt through a looking glass style portal into wonderland and ella decides to take a leap because henry and ella sort of uh, talked uh, at the very start of the episode of basically you know taking a chance taking a leap and so they jump into Wonderland, and uh, they follow uh, Ella into a cottage, but not before getting stuck in a white rabbit trap, and we get a nice little callback to uh, Snow and Charming and the punch and the capture and that whole type of thing. So once they get inside of the cottage, though, they find a teeny tiny little door that leads to the infinite 
maze. And uh, we get a little bit of backstory on Ella. It turns out that her mother, Cecilia, abandoned Ella and her stepfather. And uh, apparently Cecilia ran into the infinite maze. And so there's only enough drink for one person. So Ella, chug-a-lug, chug-a-lugs, drink me. And she turns teeny tiny and she runs into the infinite maze uh, as well. And, and, and uh, you know, she, because th- there's this whole talk about like, I will find you and all that t- kind of thing. But uh, Ella's basically like, I don't know if I feel like I can live by that m- you know, mantra because of my past and what happened with uh, my parents. But uh, she ends up leaving Henry to go into the infinite maze alone. And uh, she follows a sign that says tea party. And there she finds Alice and also a Star Wars backpack. So after chatting with Alice, she uh, mentions uh, Cecilia and uh, Alice had met her before and uh, Alice explains that Cecilia was afflicted with the curse of the poisoned heart and so Ella realizes that her mother did not abandon her on purpose per se she was cursed and she left basically to save the family and uh while all that's going on um drizella runs into uh, henry on purpose she freezes him and she explains that um she well actually uh alice mentioned that drizella was the witch that told her that that she had been cured of the um curse of the poisoned heart and so Drizella basically orchestrated this whole thing so that a portal to Wonderland would open. And the reason? Because Wonderland is full of delightful poisons, including the poison for the curse of the poisoned heart. And so she plans on um, using that to curse Henry because she's learned about true love's kiss and heroes and all that kind of stuff but before she can do anything Alice and Cinderella arrive to save the day Alice distracts Gisela and um, (laughs) Alice throws a mirror at her she basically she goes through the mirror but it's kind of funny nonetheless and so Henry and Ella take a chance. They share their first kiss before returning to the magical forest where uh, they check in on um, the wish hook. Wish hook is uh, recuperating. And uh, before our flashback ends, someone new has joined the resistance. And that person is an old friend of Henry. Actually, the very first friend that Henry made in this realm. It is Jack of the Beanstalk fame. We know this because they fought giants together. All right, so let's break it down. What did you all think of the flashback storyline? 
Hook, Wish Hook, Alice, Wonderland, Jack, The Curse of the Pointed, Pointed, The Curse of the Poisoned Heart, and everything <laughs> in between. Uh, Katie, let's start with you. Okay, well, there's a lot to go over. Um, I really like this this flashback, particularly in this episode. Um, first of all, I just wanted to comment on the fact that I loved Wonderland. Um, I know it was different than what we've seen of Wonderland, which is kind of um, cool. Um, I like how it looked more real. I know that when we were kind of going through our special series on the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland uh, show itself, our main complaint was always the CGI. And I really liked Wonderland in this episode in particular. It looked real. I, I mean, you know, there's always going to be those elements of CGI, but I don't know. I just think that they really hit it off well in this episode in particular. Um, it just, it looked really real. And I... Like really, I, uh, really, really, like really real? Really, really real. Uh, I was just thinking, I had a friend who commented that he thought that the um, scenes looked sort of Tim Burton-esque, which yep. I kind of agree mm-hmm. with. I like that. I like that take on it. I like how they kind of went with curious that. Curious and curious are. For Wonderland. Yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked the scenes that we got. I loved... I always forget what it's called. The Curse of the Poisoned Heart. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. I liked that in particular, especially. Um, it was very interesting. Um, it kind of came up out of nowhere. I will I will say that. But that's kind of, that's kind of uh, in the vein of Once Upon a Time. Uh, these magical things come up out of nowhere. And, you know, you just have to accept them as fact. That's. You know, kind of the thing with fantasy. But I, I really did like that. And I like how it affected both Tilly and uh, Cinderella. So we got to see it from both of their perspectives. Um, and um, I also, that was the one thing I was going to comment on as well. I really liked the scene where Cinderella comes to save the day and she just like <laughs> throws a punch one punch Dr- Drizella <laughs> oh, so took it like a boss though I know it was it was amazing like I laughed out loud at that scene it made me yeah. laugh so much but I mean it shows it shows the strength of Ella in this um in the flashbacks in particular to see her in fairy tale realms in particular it shows how she's so confident in herself she's confident in her abilities to fight and she's gonna go and save someone if she wants to and she just does that and we see that in this episode and we also you know got those fun scenes where we got to see um tilly drizella henry and ella in the same in the same scene and that was kind of fun um so i don't know i just i really liked the this flashback and i'm excited to see where it goes and just to explore more realms i'm I'm excited that we do get to explore all these realms and see what they look like and it's just fun it's fun and i'm i'm really excited and i just the star wars backpack 
It was very interesting to me. It, like, threw me off for some reason. It threw me off. It was great. But, I mean, I love Star Wars, so... It was you awesome. never know. I know. I know. The Force is with you. <laughs> They've talked yeah. about it. I know. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I think I read that on your site. Yay! See, there you go. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> Please send us asks about this every day. Yes. For the next two months. No. Listeners, if you want to send Katie an ask, ask if Graham is ever coming back. <sighs> <laughs> I will not a- a- answer you. I'll just post a link to other. You'll be Fifty Shades of Thor. And yeah, literally, <laughs> ask if Jefferson is ever coming back. Oh yeah, that's another one. Please ask me that every day. I'll give you the same answer <laughs> for the rest of her life. <laughs> Even when the show's ended, just continually send that out. Are they bringing it back? When are we so going to see Morgan Lily again? Uh, <laughs> my heart. I wish they would come back. Oh, and also ask her. About Megan Ori. Yes, please do. Megan Ori. <laughs> Anyways, I really like flashbacks, so there you go. Jenna, what about you? I really like the flashback, too. Um, first, I want to say I totally agree with Katie. Wonderland looks so much better in in the, the new Enchanted Forest, the Magical Forest, whatever we're calling it right now. Um, it's all grassy and feral and different and kind of in ruins but not quite it's messy and cool and yet yeah, feels real a wonderland to me was always kind of like a place where it goes from one wacky thing to another so all those different doors and stuff and these diff- and the infinity maze is just a really cool thing too um so yeah that's just it was a perfect setting for such a for like this crazy mystery of an episode in a way. Um, I like how we got into right into the meat of things, or given the fact that Alice got to see her father again, the meat of things. <laughs> I like how they <laughs> put... <laughs> Woo! That was phenomenal, if I do say so myself. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> You're welcome for the cringes. You're going places. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't get it. Go away, Jeff. She, she'll be here all day. <laughs> um. So uh, that was it, it, it. That went from being such a heartwarming scene to a heartbreaking scene. So uh, just I love I love uh, um, Wish Hook and Alice. That was just so cute, and especially like right. After the last episode, where we get that really nice moment between Wishhook and Baby Alice, oh, you just you instantly feel the connection between those two. Um, I liked the sword fight between Ella and Henry at the beginning of the episode. That was cool. I like how Ella thinks about the possibility of her enemies fighting dirty, so that's something she has to incorporate into her fighting. And I think honestly that almost plays a role into the pun- the awesome punch that she gives Drizella later. It's like, you can't be afraid to fight a little dirty. Um, I like the snowing banter when they first enter Wonderland. They're stuck in the the in the um the net and all that. It's for it's just cool. It's it's a nice throwback to snowing. There's already like a lot of steamy tension going on between Henry and Ella. It, it, it worked just right, and it incorporates itself well with the theme of um, Ella and her mother. 
I like that we got to see more of, uh, uh, see more of Ella's backstory. I like that they gave her us like a kindly stepfather because, especially given fairy tales, how stepmothers always seem to be like the big bad. It's kind of nice to see see another step parent that's actually like really cool and really chill and awesome. Especially because like he takes on he like is the only father she's ever known, and obviously she loves him enough. That when he gets killed, she wants to get revenge on the prince for his death. And it's something that weighs on her. So I think just kind of giving it that added twist, just, it's very feel good. Yeah, talk about a complicated family tree. She has... Was it her father or stepfather? No, it's her stepfather. She has a biological mother. She has a biological (laughs) father. The biological mother married someone else so she has a stepfather <laughs> and then her biological mother uh, died leaves, leaves and, dies. and dies and then the stepfather marries again so that's why she has a stepfather who's married to her stepmother she's almost yes. in like the magical totally forest version of the foster system <laughs> Aww. he's totally henry's soulmate with these weird yeah. family trees Yep, yep. Could you imagine a family reunion if they were all alive? So it's like, where where does Ella see, like, Hook or Balefire as? (laughs) Really connect all these lines. Um, But yeah, I really like that. I really like the final conflict between Drizelle, like, the whole conflict where it's like Henry, Drizella, and Al, Henry, Ella, and Alice all against Drizella. Forgot the Driz for a second. It, the way they took her down was really cool, and her plan before that, a little contrived, like it's, she just happened to know that Henry and Ella would get separated, and that they would, and then she'd get a chance to poison him a little bit, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to give my suspension of disbelief fully. Um, as far as, um, uh, I wonder if we're gonna see those necklaces show up again, like, if there's ever going to be moments of doubt, or if they're going to appear in Hyperion Heights at all. Probably. I hope so. Like, maybe it'll mm-hmm. be the equivalent of, like, Snow's Ring. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of, um, in Wonderland, where they had that locket or whatever it was that glowed whenever mm-hmm. your love was near. Oh. That's what it reminded me oh, of. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked, I don't, I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but I kind of liked that callback. Um, and yep, I like the friendship between, uh, between Jack and Henry. The music, the music kind of gives a feel that this is not going to be what it seems. And obviously they wouldn't be putting the emphasis on Jack's character and all that music if it wasn't. So I'm going to keep my eye on that, Jack. That's all I got to say. All right, I will continue on and say that I thought the flashbacks were pretty dope i did like as well just to echo what has been said so far of like this new version of wonderland i didn't fully dislike the previous iteration of wonderland like the cgi whenever they would be like on that yellow brick road was really bad but other than that when they incorporated like the fantastical with a real forest setting i thought that was kind of neat here it looked like it was all a soundstage, so it gave them a little bit more control in, like, including mm-hmm. the fantastical elements with a lot of, um, 
whether it's real or fake or foliage, it just it seemed to uh, blend in a little bit better so that the fantastical looked like it was real. Like when they did it before with mm-hmm. Wonderland, when they would be walking through a real forest and there would be sort of like, you know, a... Um, well, yeah. no, no, it wasn't a green screen. Um, they were in like an actual forest, but there would be all of a sudden like a uh, metallic looking mushroom <laughs> in the forest. <laughs> Like, it, it didn't look like it was a part of, like, the natural, mm-hmm. you know, forest. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. they decided to go the route of uh, a uh, soundstage, everything just blended in much better. Now, uh, I, I failed to mention this when I was, like, going over the flashback, but the necklace thing was really interesting. I liked the concept of it. It did remind me of Wonderland as well. It also reminded me of... Uh, snow's ring and that kind of thing i like that there are two pieces to it and the whole story of um like the necklace and uh because of their love you know they would uh, find each other with the necklace and, th- and that kind of thing and then of course you know the necklace start stopped glowing and then you know um uh, Ella learning that it was probably when her mother died that it stopped glowing. It wasn't that her mother stopped loving her stepfather. I thought that was like a really nice element. And then at the end, when it started glowing for Ella and Henry, I thought that was really nice to see. I thought the um, confrontation was funny. Just because, like, I love that Alice just dropped a mirror on her. Like, you know, you can't drop a house on her. Might as well drop a mirror on her and <laughs> suck her into the mirror. I, I like that moment a lot. And uh, the introduction of Jack was surprising. I did not expect that at all. Because of what was going on in the um, present day stuff, I... I I don't want to get into that because we're going to have a whole conversation about that. But I kept on trying to guess, like, who is this character in Hyperion Heights? I feel like we're going to see them at some point and we're dealing with Wonderland. So initially I thought, are we going to see a new version of the Mad Hatter? And then obviously the tea party happened and, and that didn't, uh, you know become a reality but at the end when we found out that he was jack and then they did a whole star wars thing like they they've done the whole um like wookie prisoner thing in the past so doing like a different element of star wars i thought that was kind of neat as well and uh i'm curious to see more of jack in the past Uh, i think that that should be kind of fun and uh It'll be interesting to see who he mixes it up with. Is this Regina's love interest? I guess we'll have to wait and see. I know, right? Vinny, what about you? What did you think of the flashbacks? I loved it. I hands down absolutely loved it. I'm going to be not the differing opinion, and I'm going to continue the Wonderland thing. Um, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland always kind of made me feel like someone had photoshopped the set in afterwards <laughs> uh, i the gothic aspect of it the the high element of malice mixed in with the wonder uh 
Because to me, Wonderland has always been something that, yes, on the surface, it's whimsical and it's funny, but it also has some potentially super dark elements to it. And I think that they did a really wonderful job capturing that. Uh, And I really felt more like this was the Wonderland that I picture in my mind and it mirrored the tragedy that alice was going through there was a correlation between the backdrop and the emotional state that alice was in and the emotional state that cecilia must have been in and i really love the fact that though it has wonder wonderland kind of came across as a place you know kind of like the depressive equivalent of cheers for people who you know need, need to go away from the rest of the world and be with other people who are suffering similar to them like alice and cecilia did um and the the chemistry between Henry and Jacinda was like Dragon Ball Z over 9,000. It was really on par. I actually joked with my boyfriend about this because with Snow and Charming, and this is going to sound dirty, but I, I really, not that I like sit around my house thinking about this, but like, oh, I you could do. never... <laughs> but just it, their love was just more of like this 1950s style like sex happens but we don't talk about it because like you know i just i could never picture those two like getting hot and heavy they were just so like it was a different kind of love but just the cat- like purity yeah exactly like uh, she gave birth to emma from immaculate conception uh, you know or so a wardrobe was involved i don't know but <laughs> with henry and jacinda it's a love that is much more grounded in reality and passion there's definitely chemistry between the actors but there's also just the way that it's played out there's definitely just this connection between them that's portrayed in a much different more grounded way than it was with snow and charming uh but at the same time there are parallels like when they were in the net and they had that banter and the strength of their love uh but at the same time also i could never really buy snow being a force to be reckoned with in battle jacinda if she came at me with a sword i'd run the other direction just literally like i would drop everything and just run because girl knows how to fight uh I, I won't expand more upon the the punch out with Drizella when she went all Mike Tyson, but that was my favorite part of the episode. Uh, I love the poisoned heart, even though it's a parallel to the sleeping curse from like last season. I know I they're like it was- using it for everything. No. <laughs> it's like the sleeping curse of Palooza. Yeah, right. Season like, two okay. was like everybody was a part of the sleeping curse. <laughs> You're not asleep. You just can't touch. So basically, it's like the abstinence policy, um, the sleeping curse, and this version's just the no touching, not allowed, no love. Yeah, uh, I don't think the people in the magical forest know about the sleeping curse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that really made an interesting twist on the story, because I was very curious about, obviously, Hook, when he gave, not gave birth, but that would be amazing, but when he conceived Alice... <laughs> a witch and then how he ended up becoming the drunken fat sod that we first met like obviously there was a story there um i thought it was interesting that they chose to go with their curse they can't well it's not interesting we expect that but it, it, it was despite it being a plot device and a trope they've done many times before it still worked and it was one of those cases where they recycled something but it actually worked it tugged at my heartstrings uh, and I go back to what I said about Alice. This actress is amazing. She does the chaos in that girl's mind and the heartache and all of that so well. When she ran away after almost killing him just by touching him, and then when she was in the infinite maze and she was talking to Ella, uh, it just really, she is the perfect Alice in my mind. I, I absolutely adore her this season. Uh, Going on to the Cecilia story with that complicated family orchard, 
it was nice to get some backdrop on uh, Ella and find out, you know, a little bit more about her mother because we hadn't heard anything about her beforehand. And it it was a realistic kind of draw for that character because I buy that. Ella's got a life that's been full of so much tragedy and she's really driving to not only find happiness for herself, but knowing that her mother might be out there was an understandable reason for her to chase into, you know, Wonderland and chase after Alice. And just, you know, even though that wasn't the reason she went, that was just a by-blow of it. When that came to culmination, I really enjoyed that because it was kind of like an extra icing on the cake. Um, and Jack, I don't know how I feel about him yet. I, I'm kind of like Jenna. I'm going to keep my eye on him Hater. because... <laughs> All I'm going to say is he was like, Super attractive. Uh, yeah. I ship Jack oh, with yeah. Katie. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have uh, any problem with that. I'm calling it a <laughs> Yes. Hashtag Get plot twist. Right? <laughs> Hashtag plot twist. Henry and Jack had a fling. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Drizella, even though her plan was fairly contrived, I still, I, I'm rooting for her, kind of. I know that's horrible to say, but... Ella Kane is playing this role to a T, and she is living it. I like, like, there are things that I like to joke with my friends that, like, my super flamboyantness does not come that often. But when I watched her, I was like, oh, girl, girl, you go, you go with your bad self. Like, I, I just, I, I absolutely adore her as well. Um, and at the same time, I loved it when she got punched and a mirror dropped on her because that was just awesome. Yes, I agree. <laughs> And no offense to our Caucasian listeners and the Caucasians on the panel, but Ella is Latina, and we Latinos bring the spice and the passion. So I, you know, I was going to say that, but like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to ride the line. Like Henry <laughs> and Ella, when they bang, like fireworks are going to happen. <laughs> I just picture her kind of be like, come here, puppy. Mommy, do you right. There you go. She's and Henry's gonna be like, I've never been called that before. Put on those slippers. <laughs> Get it. Oh. I actually had a joke I meant to make last podcast, but I totally forgot now that you said that. There you go. <laughs> All right, so let's get into present day Hyperion Heights. And, alright, so there are a couple of storylines that we can discuss. Hmm. Spin the ruler, what wheel? I know, it's like eeny, meeny, miny, nick. Okay. <laughs> Might as well get into it. Katie's excited. Okay, so in Hyperion Heights, Sabine reminds Jacinda... That, uh, well, actually, I should rewind a little bit. We all know Victoria's in jail. So, uh, the guardianship of uh, Lucy is sort of up in the air. Because uh, Victoria has custody, and uh, Jacinda does not. And so, uh, Lucy is forced to um, be placed into the system. And Jacinda promises to basically figure it out. So Sabine fills Jacinda in on a little bit of information. It turns out that somebody has graduated from law school and might be able to help out. This person is Nick. 
A.K.A. Lucy's father. Or at least because of uh, the curse. Everyone believes that Nick is Lucy's biological father. So he promises to help Jacinda regain the custody of Lucy. And so um, Henry is a little jelly, which uh, he should be, you know, because he's not a highfalutin lawyer making all the big bucks. He's, uh, he can't handle all this jelly. I know, and he—it he, doesn't even look like he's um, swifting. That's what it's called in on once, right? Swift. Yeah, he's not even swifting anymore. I don't know what he's doing for money. He's uh, that that one book that uh, Regina bought. <laughs> he's making him. it rain with Gothel. Yes, basically. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, you know, Henry is jealous, and, uh, you know, Lucy ends up encouraging Henry to fight for Jacinda, and so, you know, there's this whole idea of, like, how Henry can, um, you know, basically get some attention on him, and, and it turns out that he ends up basically fixing the food truck over the span of, of like, I don't know, maybe three hours? Maybe he used a flower. Maybe. And while he's fixing up the um, the food truck, uh, Nick and uh, Jacinda have dinner at uh, Walrus and Company. It's fantastic. And uh, that's another reason why I thought he might have been the Mad Hatter, because they're like eating at a Wonderland-inspired restaurant. And, and oysters. It's fantastic. So... They, they end up chatting and, 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 and whatnot, and we get a little bit more information about uh, Nick, as well as Jacinda. It turns out that Jacinda did not fight for custody at all from Victoria. She actually willingly gave up her rights, and it's something that she's very ashamed about. And the reason why she did that was because Victoria basically told her too you know that no one would listen to her and this is out of the other and so you know no one will take you seriously i have all the power you know don't fight it and uh after henry did what he did and after henry sort of like rushing off because he he saw that um jacinda and nick were coming uh back from dinner Jacinda is like, no, it, it's nothing. He's just helping. And uh, one of the reasons is because of this. And I, have, I haven't even told anybody. No one knows. You're the first person I'm telling. And uh, Henry encourages uh, Jacinda to tell the truth, speak her truth, and to tell uh, Lucy that Lucy you know, won't care because you're fighting now. And that's the important thing. And so Jacinda ends up telling the judge the truth about what happened, the whole situation, and Jacinda does end up getting custody of uh, Lucy once again. So they are reunited. And it does feel so good. Vinny, break this down. Nick, Jacinda, Henry, Lucy, let's go. Woo! Um, I actually, I enjoyed this segment. I thought it was really interesting to throw Nick into the current day swing of things. Uh, he, I, I don't really have an opinion on him too much yet, because um, it's so early, and the character is 
kind of like I talked about, I have my eye on him. I'm, I can't really place it, but he did seem genuinely, you know, desirous of helping them. I really liked uh, watching things play out with, you know, the custody of Lucy and finding things out about that. Uh, and the whole thing with the, the truck and Henry, it, it was such a Henry Mills thing to do. And Lucy encouraging him to do it just demonstrates like that she's his daughter to a T. Um, and I really, really felt for him when he just got up from fixing it. And just and it was like it was almost like he caught her banging Nick, <laughs> just like he, her the look on her face like, oh, crap, you know, and he just tossed her the keys and just like walked off. I really felt for him in that scene um, because he had just spent all this time doing this for her and he's been confused as to why she's been kind of offish and then whoops and she walks in a fancy black dress with uh this hot guy and that adds as frustrating as it is for the viewers who want to see those two get together i actually really like it because i don't want to see the curse broken early this season i i don't want you know to get to the mid-season finale and have every single person awake i like the curse working to throw obstacles in the path of these two well not unrequited because they will get together but in this instance you know these two destined people that are being held apart I really love that because of their chemistry it's even evident as much as I call her dishwaterella in the current day she still you you see those moments with her and Henry of their connection to each other yeah, overall, I, I thought it was a really smooth area. I thought it was decently played out, and I, I loved the little, almost like a cameo by Sabine. I, I love her sassy little self, and uh, I, I love that she was the one that created a way for Jacinda to kind of call in the cavalry and find a way to work towards getting Lucy back. All right. Katie, what about you? I really liked the section of the... Uh, current day storyline as well um specifically because we got to see a lot of different dynamics between henry and jacinda and then adding in a new character and giving us more backstory and what they believe that their cursed personalities believe they are um i really like henry and jacinda so much um both in Hyperion Heights and in the Magical Forest. And I'm rooting for them so much. And it's kind of like, like like Lucy said, it's a classic Catherine Nolan situation. Ain't nobody want to be Catherine. Ain't nobody <laughs> want to be Catherine. <laughs> I, love Catherine. I did like Catherine too. I thought she was very sweet once we found out her real intentions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um... And I kind of like how they're bringing that subtly a little bit in this episode. You know, they're kind of throwing us back to the first season when we were frustrated as viewers because we just want Snow and Charming to get together. But then, you know, Regina throws in Catherine into the situation. And now we have kind of Nick being thrown into the situation um, as well. And it's just interesting. I like how they made it so that they believe that Nick is actually Lucy's father. Um that was really interesting to me. Um, something different to throw in there. And uh, it's just, it's very interesting because you see, you know, you see Nick next to Henry and they're kind of, they like the same things like the eighties um, stuff they're talking about. And they look sort of similar. Um, 
but they're very different. Henry's, you know, more rough around the edges. He's a swift driver. He's laid back. He'll, he was fixing the car for her or the um, food truck for her. And then we have Nick, who's fresh out of law school. He, you know, wears suits and he's a little bit more um, fancy, I guess, if you want, is the right word he's for it. He's kind of like Graham in Fifty Shades of Grey. There you go. <laughs> Minus the Fifty Shades of Anything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just very interesting to see them kind of side by side and to see um, Jacinda with both of them. Um, it's just, I really liked this section and I'm very curious to see how Nick is going to continue to play a role in the show. Um, It's going to be interesting because I know that he's on here for an arc and I know, I know I'm hoping we'll, we're obviously going to see him in the um, fairy tale land realms, Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if he continues. Oh, how he continues on in Hyperion Heights as well. So, um, I'm just excited to see more of this and to see how Henry and Jacinda develop beyond this. Jenna, what about you? I really like this segment. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, I was with you, Jeff. I, I'm wondering why we haven't seen Henry doing his job. I thought that was like such a cool setup, having him be a swift driver. Having him like take all these characters around, like the weird awkward positions it would put him in. Maybe we'll see something oh like that later. Like maybe, um, maybe Nick decides to call and call a swift driver during some occasion, and Henry just happens to be on duty, and they have to have an awkward ride. And Henry um, will get into a weird, awkward position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up them together on a date. Yes. Oh my god. Those were um, your words, Jenna. I real I. This is a really good love triangle. I always like love triangles where it's like, nobody's necessarily the bad guy. There's not, uh, like, and they're, and it's not overly petty. Like, Henry can admit, Henry admits, like, a lot of good things to Nick. Even after learning who he is, he's still, like, doing the right thing by her. And Nick is, too. There's no, like, mustache twirling guy they're all they all feel very real and very nice and very mature and those are the and that's a good love triangle so i so i like what that is and it's weird because as suspicious of nick as i am in the fairy tale world i'm not really that suspicious of him in hyperion heights at least not yet also i was kind of disappointed because i didn't i didn't know if nick had filmed in the enchanted forest and I'm sorry. Somewhere in the interview, I think it was said, you're going to see fairy tale characters interacting with non-fairy tale characters, and you're not going to know the difference. I was kind of hoping that maybe, like, Nick is this random person who just kind of, like, got cursed memories, but he's just a normal person. Like, we would finally get to see an example of that, because really, we've only been seeing the fairy tale characters, for the obvious reason. So, I was, like, disappointed for a second and a half that that wasn't the case with with uh, Nick, that he did have a uh, that he that he did have a fairy tale counterpart in Jack, but okay, um, I liked uh, I liked Sabine a lot in this episode. She's just a great bestie. She's really supportive, smart, 
in tune with the motions. Um, yeah, just I, I love her. I love uh, Makia's uh, acting. She's just really fun, and you want to spend a lot of time with her. You can see how she could just be someone's best friend, or be or be like Lucy's fun aunt. I like Jacinda's reasoning for not fighting for Lucy. It was not only a really good surprise, but it was very understandable. It kind of it adds a layer. It adds like this level, this deeper level to the past few episodes when she's first fighting with when she's uh, after like episodes two and three and stuff where she's fighting for any moments alone with Lucy. It's just, if it, if there's just this added level of tragedy where it's like, she knows as bad as that was, it could have been worse. My final thing is, I know I am very off caliber and I'm, and I'm like 95% I'm sure I'm wrong. What if Nick is Lucy's father? Because we only really have Lucy's, uh, Lucy's account to go for on this. Maybe maybe Henry adopt is like her adoptive father, but we see in the Enchanted Forest there's this weird ominous music, as I said before, with Nick in the background. Well, I think the music was because they were doing the Star Wars thing. No, no, this is like as they're kind of like shaking hands. This is like after the introductions have been made. Like when, like just as it's about to go back to Hyperion Heights, I think with that scene in the bar, I think... Like, it feels like... It doesn't feel Star Warsy. It feels just kind of... Oh, hey, this is a weird character. And you have to, like, think, what are we going to make of him? And... Yeah, so I'm just kind of, like, one... I, I'm just kind of, like, throwing out this this theory that I acknowledge is probably very, very wrong. But... We only really have Lucy's account that Henry's her father. I don't think we've ever... I don't think Tremaine or the Witch or Ivy have ever said anything out loud. Like, Yeah, they did. Didn't they, they, when they discussed that they couldn't get Henry's heart and then they couldn't get his daughter's heart? Or something like that? Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because that would... That whole theory would be weird because Ella didn't seem to recognize him so that would mean that Ella cheated on Henry with Nick that would just make things very messy but what know, if Nick after meeting them gets a thing for Ella that's what I'm saying yeah mm-hmm. so I think Henry would still be the father and they'd still be together but maybe their friendship is ruined because Jack falls for Ella and goes to the dark side Ooh. Or just I had to. I kind of wondered that myself. Just I don't know, like when they're yeah. in the fairy tale realm, and he kind of like looked at Ella, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, "You caught what? that too, okay?" Because yes. like, excuse I, me, sir. I have that scene up on YouTube right now because I wanted to go back and listen to the music, and the music I think could be either like ending episode culmination music, or it could be ominous. But I I caught that glance last night, and I just went back to also see if it was there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I caught that, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> for later. <laughs> yeah, so. Anyways, I'm sure, I know that's probably very off-caliber, but I'm just, I couldn't help but, like, honestly, it's after you brought it up, Jeff, that I was like, what if? Like, or rather when you were introducing, like, the it, Nick's introduction into the episode. But uh, yeah, overall, <laughs> I, overall, I did like that arc. Um, 
it gave a very real stopping point for Henry and Jacinda, at least for now. So we can kind of, so we see the two stories branch off and what will it mean when they come together again? Alright. So I echo all of you. I thought this was a, a really decent storyline. I um, I really liked that, uh, kind of to echo what uh, Katie mentioned in our previous podcast, that they didn't drag out this whole custody thing with uh, Lucy. Like, as much as we love season one of Once Upon a Time... Ugh. Oh. Custody battles. I know, but like if this had been like season one of Once Upon a Time, because you know, usually the first season of any show is very exposition heavy. Like, no matter how much we want to romanticize like how fantastic the first season of any series is, there is a lot of exposition. And like you mm-hmm. know that they would have dragged this storyline out. Like this would have been a multiple episode. We would have seen them in court and this whole type of thing. This was done in like the span of twenty four hours. So I honestly thought that's what was going to happen. I thought with Victoria in jail she was gonna like recruit a shit ton of lawyers and just like stonewall the whole process. I was really surprised. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't go that route. I thought it was handled well. It, it was wrapped up within the entire episode. Nick is uh, interesting. I don't feel like he's nefarious, at least not yet. So I hope he stays that way because I like the idea of uh, just how messy and complicated it is that all of a sudden this dude that's your best friend in another realm gets cursed and now he's quote unquote your daughter's baby daddy like that whole thing like once people start waking up <laughs> is just like fantastic i mean that just leads to drama in and of itself so i hope that they don't complicate it with like him having feelings for ella in the past I just, I don't want them to go that route just because, uh, you know, I, I just, when it gets to love triangles, personally, I don't like the messy ones, and that's going to lead nope. into messy territory. Sabine, Makia Cox, you're a rock star, just uh, everything about her was fantastic in this episode, and uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit with Vinny, like, I, well... I, not disagree. Well, I guess disagree with like the whole dish dish water uh, Ella thing. Because <laughs> I really like Jacinda in this episode, and I know that she's a little bit of a Debbie Downer a lot. But when we get like the sparks of hope in her, I guess you know they do the whole Debbie Downer thing on purpose, kind of like what they did. You know, just to echo what I mentioned in the previous uh, episode of our podcast, much like Mary Margaret, she was a Debbie Downer. And once she started to get the sparks of snow, much like once we get the sparks of Ella and Jacinda, you see the change in the character. You see that she wants to fight. And so I like that, even though it is kind of like, ugh, that they have her be <laughs> like kind of mopey. Because when we start seeing the Ella come back inside her, it, it's kind of almost like night and day. So, oh, I agree. Yeah. This episode, she, I, I, if I said that I didn't like her in this episode, then I misspoke because I actually did really. She wasn't as much dishwaterella to me in this episode. She was better. Awesome. So let's get into the teeny tiniest storyline of uh, 
this episode, and that actually leads us into the other slightly bigger storyline of the episode. So let's talk about the teeny tiny one first, though. So uh, Regina basically warns Drizella, stay away from Henry. And uh, we follow on uh, Drizella, and uh, with Victoria in jail, her and Mother Gothel have, you know, their plans that they're sticking to. And Gothel mentions Anastasia. You know, she's basically like, they, they discuss waking up Anastasia. You know, might as well wake her up and let's use her to our advantage to sort of get what you want, Gisela. And so they search for the coffin. Apparently... Uh, Belfry uh, Towers, or, or at least Belfry period, has several properties throughout all of Hyperion Heights, and they search and they search and they search, and finally, at I believe it's the Lake House, they find Anastasia, or at least the coffin, and so Drizella uh, takes the time to bring that big ass, heavy looking coffin to uh, Gothel, and when they open the coffin, boom, 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 the body is missing, and they suspect Victoria is behind it. Here's the thing that so fucking pissed me off about this entire BS. You don't freaking frackin' fucking check the damn coffin <laughs> at the damn lake house. Remember your suspension of disbelief. I know, but that one that one was like pulling at me like a little I it was like thrown that really coffin bad. off the top of the building if I had done that. Like that was legitimately like the only part of the episode where I, I just was like head hand on forehead like oh come on. Like guys. really? Like cuz you're dragging this big ass thing and you don't peek inside it? Like maybe not even at the lake maybe house. cuz it was heavy. She was <laughs> I don't know. It was that was the only thing that really annoyed the fuck out of me cuz I was like I just couldn't buy it. Other than that, uh, Gothel and uh, Drizella are very interesting together. Like the whole teeny tiny Regina and Drizella scene was fantastic. They have really great um, antagonistical chemistry with each other and uh, I still don't know what it means to like revive Anastasia already like what the plan was gonna be but I'm intrigued by it so uh, here's for them finding Anastasia because I'm curious to see what the hell they're gonna do I think they revealed it though what do they say uh, in the scene where they're up there before they've got the coffin there's a scene between Gothel and Drizella where Gothel actually questions Drizella, why do you want her awake? And she's all like, oh, well, maybe I just miss my sister. And Gothel's like, no, you're a bitch. Tell me the truth. And she says, in that body is magic. And I think she said it belongs to her. Okay, so yeah, I remember yeah, that. So I'm guessing it's, it's the whole, well. like, the one the one breath that, that she yeah. has one left. One last tear thing. Uh, I almost no, think that that's not that's the re- that's the Rapunzel side of it with Lady Tremaine, Katie. Yeah. No, she has one last Whatever. breath inside her. And so I think maybe they used Drizella's magic to do it. I think that all maybe a lot of her power or something. We're going to find out Tremaine used it to save Anastasia and that stasis or something. Okay, that's interesting. But I still I'm curious as to like what that leads to. Because, yeah. like, does it mean she's going to drain her of her life source or something? I'm still... They need to explain that, because even with that, it's still very vague. So I'm curious to see, like, what happens with that, because I, I found that whole that thing... Anastasia. 
very fascinating. Yeah, I hope we find out too. All right, so uh, Jenna, what about you? What did you think of this teeny tiny storyline? Well, I liked it. Um, I like to I like seeing that the uh, Gothel and Drizilla aren't completely on the same page. They're not above having like a little bit of conflict, so it's not like the perfect marriage of villains, but that's okay. Kind uh, conflict between villains offers like some opportunities for the heroes to get ahead, and it kind of like. And we get to see more of the wicked side of Gothel and Drizilla, but now aimed at a villain just as fierce as they are on their own. So, um, that's pretty cool. I'm just wondering, where is Anastasia? Where is she? I think next, I think at some point we're going to see Ivy go to the jail where Belfry's being held and be like, where is Anastasia? And Belfry's going to be like, oh, looks like I'm one step ahead. Looks like As she twirls her mustache. I'm sorry, what did you say? As she twirls her mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly just see her, like, taking one of her, taking her little index finger, perfectly manicured, and just <laughs> looping it through her hair. Mm. As she's saying this. Like, very much in the style that I think Ivy does it. Yeah. And Ivy's just, like, silently seething that her mother got to step on her once more. So, I... So I like that there is a little, there's a little clink which, that we're trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, really, that's all I have to say. Katie? I also, you know, liked this section. It was really small, but, um, and, you know, like you said, it's kind of annoying that, you know, they didn't just decide to look until they got to uh, the, the They're place. very dramatic. They're very dramatic. They're villains. That's Just like you, Katie. You're very dramatic. I know I am. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but, I mean, it's very intriguing. And I'm just... I'm really intrigued by Gothel and Ivy and how they've paired up. And um, just their interests in Anastasia. I mean, you know, we obviously have seen... Um. Uh, wow, Lady Tremaine's interest in waking Anastasia up, and we kind of, you know, got this hint that Ivy slash Drizella is very, you know, doesn't care about Anastasia. She doesn't want anything to do with her, and now we see that she wants her for this magic, and it's very interesting. And I just. I'm excited. I say this about everything, but truly, this season really has a lot of cool, different threads of plots that are happening everywhere, and I am excited to see all of them. So, this one in particular is very interesting because I really like Ivy and Gothel as villains, and I'm just excited to see where their side of the story is going to take us. Katie, I love that you're self-aware and that you throw yourself under the bus. I'm very very (laughs) self-aware, okay? It's beautiful. I like it. (laughs) All right. One thing I want to mention before I hand it over to Jenna is something that I really loved about the teeny tiny Drizella and Regina scene was the fact, and I'm so paraphrasing, but like Drizella was like, oh, you think I'm going to villain monologue? Girl, bye. And she walks out. Yes, I loved that. Yes! It was beautiful. Vinny, what about you? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, 
and I sound like a broken record with this episode, but other than the logistical snafu of not looking in the box beforehand, I enjoy the Gothel Ivy dynamic. You can get the whole, I am working with you because I have a goal and you were helpful towards that. But you just get it. You get the moment that I don't need you anymore. The moment that I think you're going behind my back. I am going to turn on you. I, I'm i looking forward to like a trifold bitch off somewhere during this season with like, not Regina, but uh, Victoria, Gothel, and Drizella all together because it's building up to it. Victoria is going to get out at some point and we're going to see these three ladies. Maybe Regina will be thrown in there, but there's a lot of... A lot of shit going to go down, and I, it's building up to that in this episode, you can tell, because even though they're working together, and they pretend to have this like mutual respect for each other, it, it's not respect, it's necessity, and that was very evident. And the Regina and Drizella scene, you, you pointed out, I was actually going to point that out, I just love the girl by, it was perfect. Um, but other than that, I really didn't have any nitpicks or anything, just than the, uh, you know, the coffin. Yeah. All right, let's get into the final storyline of the episode, the final storyline of Hyperion Heights. So, after that confrontation with Drizella, Ronnie ends up heading to the police station. And earlier in the episode, Eloise Gardner, a.k.a. the witch, a.k.a. Gothel, had arrived, and, and she brought over this... I'm not even gonna lie. That cake looks so fucking delicious. It oh was like God, a okay. homemade cake. In my mind, it was probably a coconut cake, because I love me some coconut cake. And it was on a pedestal. I know. It was, know. Pedestal. It was like, like... Where did she get this? Uh, <laughs> she went to the she local pantry. Walmart or something. <laughs> that too. And so she brought this beautiful cake as a thank you to Rogers for helping her. And um, Rogers was very concerned. And he gave her her card. You know, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. And that kind of thing. All right. So Ronnie arrived. And she's looking for Weaver. Weaver's there. And so basically she tells Rogers, you know, tell Weaver that I want to speak with him. And she was like, what's that cake? And, um, and, uh, uh, sorry, I'm cracking up because of the whole situation. And Rogers is like, oh, that's, you know, Eloise Gardner. And she just tosses the damn cake into the garbage. <laughs> and Rogers flourish. is like, what? And, uh, Ronnie's like, you know, sugar will kill you. And I didn't understand this. And I rewound it so many times. Like, because they focused on the cake. But it was like a trash can that's got the holes in it already. And it was like seeping through it. And I was like, <laughs> are they supposed to like show us that it was poison poisoned? Or I didn't really get why they focused on the cake. Because I didn't really personally see anything wrong with the cake. Drama. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> right, after they, right after they go to the... Uh, Right after they show the cakes in the garbage, they go right to Gothel as she's struggling to make a plant grow. So maybe, like, that, maybe those two things were related. Like, that cake did have some sort of poison or potion where it was, like... Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm going to assume that it was poison, but I thought that they were going to, like, maybe show us a little hint that it was. But it just looked like the cake, you know, the icing was oozing through the trash can that already has the little holes in it. Like, I don't know. It was just... 
whatever. Anyway, so the whole point of this, it isn't about that damn cake, although it looked delicious. And that was such a waste of a cake. Anyway, I would have, oh, I would have probably, no, I wouldn't have dug into the garbage to eat it. But <laughs> it may be if I was really hungry, because it looks so damn good. Anyway, so Weaver arrives at Ronnie's. And so they get into the whole thing. Where Regina's like, what does the name Rumpelstiltskin mean to you? And so Weaver's like, oh, isn't that that man that slept for 100 years? She's like, no, it's Rip Van Winkle. And so she gets frustrated. She's like, come on, you know you're you. You're never asleep. You're always awake. I am awake. You're awake. We need to, like, figure this out because Gothel and Drizella have teamed up, and I need help. I need backup, and you're going to be my backup. We need to figure this out together. You know, your grandson, Henry, and this, that, or the other. And uh, Weaver keeps on, or I should say Rumpel, because he is awake. He keeps on denying everything. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, the only things we've ever teamed up on are happy hours. What are you talking about? And uh, then, like, Regina, as, like, a Hail Mary pass, like, is like, Belle. Belle would be so disappointed in you. And Weaver turns around and is like, Belle who? And uh, Regina even, like, throws out the Guardian. If you're scared of the Guardian, like, you need to, like, calm down because we need your help. And nothing, nothing works. And so Regina basically is like, you know, oh, I'm going to have to go to San Francisco to get back up basically and so she tells Henry that she's going to San Francisco to meet with someone who apparently has been pushed out of the town by Victoria already and uh, this person will not be happy to see her and uh, she offers Henry to go with her to join her on this road trip because you know of Henry and the entire situation that's going on with Jacinda you know maybe he needs sort of like a um, a fresh fresh take on things and, and a break as well. And so that's pretty much the storyline. I feel like we all agree that the person she's going to go see is Zelina. So yep. yeah, there you go. Now, as far as just the storyline as a whole, uh, what did you all think of it? And let's start off with Katie. Um, I really liked it. Um, my only major complaint is, of course, Weaver, for heaven's mm. sake. <sighs> I feel like you feel you understand this stuff. Yes, that's you the get thing it. that pissed me the fuck off. I'm like, what? I'm just... I don't even know. Except that I was very frustrated with him in this scene. Um, it was very season one-esque, where, if you remember the scene where Regina goes to visit Rumpel in jail and she's trying to get him to say his name, except there he actually said his freaking name and he doesn't say it here. And it's very frustrating, but I mean, I know that we're probably going to see it play out um, and why he's doing this, except to be a butt. So. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But um, besides for that, I loved the scene with the cake and where she just like dumps the whole thing into the trash can. And he's just like, what is going on? Uh, that was great. Um, and then I liked 
I liked the scene where she's talking with Henry and convinces Henry to come with her as well um, to uh, San Francisco. Um, I think it's fun. I I know who they're going to see. We all agree. Everyone agrees um, who she's going to see. But I'm particularly really, really excited for that because the writers have said multiple times that their favorite introduction ever is Zelina's introduction in this season. And I'm really, really excited to see what that entails, you know, what's going on there. Um, It's going to be fun. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see uh, Regina and Henry on a road trip and to see where that leads for them. And to see if Weaver stops being annoying. (laughs) I know, right? Like, I feel like the Tyra Banks meme i was rooting for you weaver i said all these nice things about you in the previous podcast (laughs) and this is where he just screwed it all up for me like i just i don't understand it i don't i really 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 hope that they explain this and i feel like Mm -hmm. they will and i just hope that they give him a really good reason why because when uh, not only when uh, Regina invoked Henry, his grandson, but when he invoked, when I should say, when she invoked Belle, like, I thought that would have been the moment when he would have said, yes, I know. And I get it. I know that we sort of have discussed, like, them not dragging some stuff out. I guess you can't have Regina and Rumpel teaming up and then figuring everything out. So... I get it, but I just hope that they gave him, or they give him, a really believable, plausible, understandable reason. Because it seems as if this is a new Rumple, a Rumple that has evolved, a Rumple that has uh, sort of washed away with all of his selfishness and that kind of thing. And um, we've taken a lot of steps forward, and this feels like a giant leap backwards and although we're not getting like evil rumple like we have in previous seasons like i I just don't want to see a a rumple that's for himself i I need rumple to be there for his family so uh, i'm hopeful that things will change at least that we'll see some things in his storyline that shows us that he is trying maybe to procure some sort of magical stuff Mm -hmm. to help and maybe he's waiting until he has everything that he needs before he shares that he is awake actually i wouldn't be surprised if he shares with victoria that he's awake before he shares with other people just because they seem to have already an intriguing relationship not romantic but just some sort of uh, bond uh, in Hyperion Heights, and I wonder if, at least if my theory is true about Tremaine, in the sense that she probably has to team up with our people at some point in the Magical Forest to uh, try to either take down or to stop Drizella from enacting the curse. So maybe, you know, that's why maybe they bonded in, in that way you know of like they, they developed some sort of friendship or respect for each other i don't know something like that maybe and uh, i don't know i just hope that they clear this up because rumple i am a teeny tiny bit disappointed in you 
Yeah. Vinny, what about you? I, you know, this was such an interesting scene because on the cake thing, and I can't believe that I actually remember this scene. I had to go back and realize which the number that it was. But in season five, Regina has a history with cakes. Season five, episode 12 starts with her sitting all slumped and like punky emo looking in front of a giant, beautiful black cake in a flashback. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was so, the 100th uh... episode. Yeah, and so for a second, I was like, oh, girls just get inventions on cakes. <laughs> <laughs> that cake didn't look as good, because it was no, all, like, fondant, and, and I'm not yeah. that big of a uh, fan of that. I really don't have too much to say about this part, because I really feel that it was, Rumble was being a butt, but I'm when she said something about, I hope this doesn't have anything to do with the Guardian, because you're going about it the wrong way, I think the gar- that he has come a long way. I think he really has, but at the same time, he's Rumple. Rumple is stubborn. Rumple has his thoughts on what is best. He may be a better person, but that doesn't mean that he is a smarter person in every single aspect. I think he holds his, uh, what's the phrase? He holds his hand close to his chest. And I think he maybe this may go back to like with Hook, where he was telling him, I could tell you, but you won't believe me. And he was actually looking out for Hook. Rumple may be under some kind of pressure that if he works with anybody else or if he brings anybody else in and victoria catches wind that someone else is awake it, it could be bad or you know just something where he's maybe he's looking out for regina that's what i got from this scene it's either he's looking out or it's something to do with the guardian thing because they drop that in there and it has to mean something yeah if my theory that alice is the guardian just because like that whole scene of like the Guardian, the Guardian, the Guardian, and then he goes through a, a portal and he runs into Alice. So mm-hmm. if she is the Guardian, maybe he's doing this to protect not just Wishhook, but Alice. Because, mm-hmm. you know, of all this time in Hyperion Heights and whatever ends up happening in the uh, Magical Force, maybe he's also de- developed like an affinity for alice is sort of respect or you know a caring for alice and mm-hmm. maybe he's trying to protect her from that because whatever yeah. ends up happening with the guardian if something bad happens when they absorb the darkness or something yep maybe i guess we'll have to wait and see we'll see yeah jenna what about you um so um i'm sorry i kind of lost focus for a second it happens Yep. Okay, now, sorry, I'm caught up. Um, I really like this whole section. I admit the Ronnie Weaver conversation was very weird. I'm a, I'm thinking along the same lines as Vinny. Like, he, like Rumpel has always kind of been a lone wolf, and maybe it's like he's, a, he's worried to some extent that if uh, Regina is part of the, uh, is part of the thing, like, she'll be, you know, she'll be advising him against moves that he thinks would work better. Kind of like almost be a bell to a sense, but then again, he's also he's also changed a lot over the years. So, I so yeah, I'm kind of along lines of think there's kind of another element at play here, which is preventing Rumple from admitting that he's awake. So, I'm not pissed off about it. It's weird, but I'm gonna I'm I'm kind of waiting to see on this one, see exactly where why Rumple can't admit that he's awake. Um, I thought the scene of Ronnie throwing out the cake was hysterical. It's just like, Ronnie, once Ronnie hears that Eloise's cake 
that that cake is from Eloise, she's like, oh, crud, I gotta get rid of that. So she's just, so instead of, like, going for anything clever, or even just, like, being a glutton, she's like, nah, I'm gonna just throw the cake away. And it's, and it's such a hysterical moment. It's just, Regina's just all freaked out, but she plays it off like a badass, and I love her for that. Um, I, um, we didn't point this out, but I just want to point it out now. Um, it was great that uh, Regina convinced Rogers to give Tilly another chance by bringing out that she kind of needs someone. That it plays that very motherliness that Regina has. And of course she knows that, that, uh, Alice is his daughter and that Tilly is Alice and all that. But it's just really sweet. And she gets, obviously, to play the mother to some extent again by convincing Henry to get away for a bit. Also, I want to point out that um, the scene where Jacinda goes to the bar to talk to Henry, I didn't realize that Remy was a Ratatouille reference in this first appearance. But now I do, and I'm just like, wow, how did I not realize that? Yeah, and we (laughs) never discussed this, but Sabine and uh, Jacinda's boss is Louie. Louis the Gator from Princess and the Frog. Oh, yeah, I guess I never caught that. I did not see that coming, or think about that. But, yeah, I think I think Ronnie provided some really good moments in this. Um, and I really, I also, I really want to point out how awesome her interactions were with Adelaide, uh, at, well, with Drizella, because those were just some really good tense scenes. Like, um, just there's such a there's a power balance and even though Regina's down and it's like uh this curse can't be cast she's still like I'm still going to prevent you from having any power having any fun I'm going to stop you and cock block you and crockpot you in every way that I can hashtag nobody likes a cock block <laughs> hashtag craft block <laughs> well yeah <laughs> Hashtag beer block. (laughs) But yeah, so those are my thoughts. Alright, well now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? You all know the rules. They're very simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode. And if someone has mentioned a character, you must select a different one. No repeats. So we will start off with uh, Jenna. Okay, um, my choice is um, Regina Ronnie. I, I <gasps> no, just kidding. Keep going. Sorry, <laughs> Katie. Um, Katie died. I really liked her interactions this episode. I like how she was kind of inspiring people. How she inspired Rogers. How she was kind of like being very gentle with Henry. Just and also just how funny she was. How cool she was in her scenes with Drizella, and. And she definitely brings a lot of, I don't know, excitement. I like her bluntness with with Rumpel. And kind of with Hook, too, with the whole throwing out the cake. I don't know. Just I love Regina when she's being very blunt. So, uh, yep, that was great. And I can't wait to see the mother-son road trip that ends up in the sisterly reunion. All right. Katie, what about you? Your MVP and why? Okay, so mine's going to seem kind of random because I did not talk about her at all during the recap. But I'm going to go with 
Lucy. Uh, we didn't see her wow. very much in this episode, but I really liked the little scenes that we got, whether she was talking about Catherine, um, when she was, you know, talking about to her mom and telling her that, you know, it doesn't matter when her mom finally told her, um, the real reason that she gave her up and she said, you know, it doesn't matter when she was hugging her mom. I don't know. I just, I really like Lucy and it was fun to see her in this episode and to see her talk to Henry some more, talk to her mom. Um, it was just fun. And uh, I just really like her and I liked her scenes. Even if I didn't talk about them in the recap, I, I should definitely mention that I did like her little scenes. So that was fun. Katie, mm? I'm suspicious. Did you pull that MVP out your ass because you wanted Regina? No, because I was deciding on... Se well, she wasn't originally in the mix, but I was deciding on someone else, and I decided not to go with someone obvious this time. I was trying to throw a plot twist. Okay, I guess you sort of succeeded. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alright. Vinny... Your MVP, and why? It's going to be shocking. You ready? No. <gasps> oh, I should say it, because <laughs> I know it. Um, <laughs> it was actually Jacinda. Oh! Whoa! I was about to say Drizella. That's who I thought you were going to choose. Okay, well, get it. You know, I, I thought about that. I actually toyed with Gothel, and I was thinking Regina, but then I actually, would, throughout this episode recording, like I've been thinking about, like, this is the first episode where I really didn't dislike the character of Jacinda as much. Well, not even really at all. Like, I liked her this episode. I had some slight, you know, callbacks to Dishwater Ella, but like I told you earlier, like, if I did say earlier that I didn't like her, I, I misspoke. I actually, um, I, I felt like this was the first time that I've actually seen both sides of her, and I've seen more signs of Ella showing up a little bit, um, and I don't know, I just, I didn't walk away from this episode regretting that she had a lot of screen time, as I have in some of the earlier episodes where she was very front and center, which was expected, but it was so much of Jacinda and not enough of Ella for me to really get that 360 of, you know, the, the girl with the fire in her belly to just, like, you know, a tail on the world. And, I mean, come on, she punched Gisela, so that's, like, the best part of the entire episode. Nice. All right. I feel like Drizella gets the MVP just for saying villain monologue. No, thank you. Why? <laughs> because that was fantastic. But I'm going to give the MVP to Tilly, a.k.a. Ooh. Alice. I really, really liked her in the flashback. I really loved that she gave us like the answers to what was going on in um, Ella's past. Like, I like that she sort of opened that door and that she knew uh, uh, what was going on and she was able to uh, basically calm Ella's fears and to, like, show her the truth of what was really going on. So I really like that. Of course, her with the mirror, fantastic. And uh, in the present day, like, I don't know. I, I just, I liked, I, I'm, I'm enjoying her with, Rogers and it's just yeah I like that dynamic a lot and uh, I like that um, 
that that Rogers brought the the chess set and, and like you know Rogers or I should say Tilly and Roger with the chess set. I mean it's just it's it's cute and uh, I'm here for it. But in particular, like I really really liked seeing Alice in the flashback, so that's why I'm selecting her for my MVP. So now it is time to rate the episode on a one to ten. Apple scale. The point system is allowed, and if you deem the episode worthy of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And we are going to shuffle the deck, and Katie, you're first. I know. Plot twist. You wanted one. Uh Hey, there we go. (laughs) Okay, so my rating will be 10 out of 10 apples i really liked this episode i talked about it a lot um i loved wonderland uh i loved the introduction of nick um i like the stuff that was going on in the present day um there's just a lot of really good content in this episode and um I, it leaves you excited for what's going to happen, and it leaves me mad that we had to wake, that we had to wait two weeks for a new episode. So right. that's yep, yep. So I guess that's a good. I mean, that's a good thing on their part. They, they, you want to leave your um, viewers in uh, in anticipation. So ten out of ten apples. All right, let's see, Vinny. How would you rate this episode? It's going to be a first, but I'm giving it a golden apple. Oh my bum, goodness! Bum, <laughs> wow! This episode sowed the seeds for upcoming plot reveals. It sowed the seeds for storylines that have been—I'm going to go with the plant or analogy again—but germinating up until this point. We have resolution of a lot of stuff. Um, you know, in the previous episode, we got the confirmation of who alice was and in this episode we have the recovery or the beginning of the recovery of the relationship between hook and alice in hyperion heights after he viewed it as a betrayal of her actions and it's it was a lovely way to just kind of finish off for because i think it's actually three weeks um for us to just sign off and we were left in a good place with these characters a rocky place with everyone else. I feel like this was a wonderful sign-off episode for a brief hiatus, leaving us wanting more, like Katie said, but also giving us just enough that we don't feel like we're hanging at the skin of our pants waiting for a reveal of some kind. Even though there really wasn't a super big reveal in this episode, the exposition that they gave on a lot of stuff in this episode really made me feel satisfied with a lot of stuff that I've been wondering about where things were going to go with certain people. And I love, even though I have my eye on him, I love the introduction of Nick as well. I think it's going to be a really curious few weeks of hypothesizing what and who he could end up being with. I'd love to see him be with Regina. I could see that happening because she is hopefully, I think they said they're giving her a love interest this season. So yeah, I, I really, I left this episode feeling completely fulfilled. I didn't have any nitpick, you know, other than the coffin. Um, but really, even that, you know, I, I can talk myself down from that because these villains are so dead set on getting what they want that they got the prize. They thought they had it and they were arrogant, which villains are always arrogant. So I can even buy the coffin because of that. They were they, they were so caught up in their plan. They didn't even think logically. Um, so, yeah, the golden apple is awarded. 
All right now, so we have a solid 10 apples. We've got the coveted golden apple. I'm going to give it a 9. I thought it was a solid episode. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a decent episode. If you really think about it, the difference between 9, 10, and golden is really teeny tiny. I think anything above an 8 is good and uh, can be viewed as a uh, you know a stellar episode. I I guess I wasn't as wowed as all of you, although I did really enjoy the episode. I thought it was a very strong episode. I liked where all the storylines were going, and uh, I mean just the scene alone between Lana and Robert in the bar. I mean, outstanding, fantastic, and. Uh, the comedy with the cake and uh, the uh, the shade, I guess, being thrown during the Drizella and Regina conversation. Everything was fantastic. So from me, nine apples. That leaves you, Jenna. So we have nine, ten, and golden. Do you agree with any one of us or do you have your own? Well, I definitely do lean in the direction of one of you, but I think my score is just a little different. I'm actually leaning in your direction, Jeff, but I'm going to give it an 8.5. I think this was, uh, in fact, a very good episode. It set up a lot of good introductions. It definitely calmed some things down, but also like wound up the excitement in a lot of other ways, too. Um I thought it was I thought it was a good episode. It didn't like astound me or anything. It didn't blow my mind. I'll like maybe something like wake up call where I was just like, oh my god, all these revelations, I'm on the edge of my seat. But that's also okay. It definitely makes for a bit more of a relaxing hiatus, but they it still left with a lot more interesting things. Um I think that it the pacing of this episode was really good. They included um, great stuff like Henry and Henry and Cinderella's first kiss. They they and they showed some more conflicts like the empty coffin, the appearance of Nick Dash Jack, um, Ronnie uh, Regina and Henry going to San Francisco. So yeah, I think this was a pretty solid episode and very well deserving of eight and a half apples. I like it. Awesome. So join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. 
Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night and a happy Thanksgiving. Good night, guys. Have a happy hiatus and a wonderful turkey day. Yeah, good night, guys. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Good night, everybody. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybook Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Good night, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.